Content warning. This podcast will include brief discussions about some mental health disorders, including post-traumatic stress disorder and eating disorders. Do you ever feel not good enough? Or do you ever feel guilty for things you have done or left undone? It was probably something you worried about for a long time. And maybe just the thought of that memory in itself brought about a wave of negative emotion. I can promise you that everyone listening to this podcast experienced that exact same feeling, including myself. My name is Luke and I'm a fourth year psychology student at Mount Allison University in New Brunswick, Canada. On this episode of This Is Fine, I will be talking to you about two universally experienced emotions that you may not think about much, although you probably should. These are feelings that can either motivate you or take years off your life. They can maintain social order, but they can also cause pandemics in the realm of mental health. The emotions that I'm talking about are guilt and shame. You probably experienced one of these emotions, or a mix of the two, when asked the questions at the start of this podcast. There are two emotions that every person has experienced. They are connected, however, they are distinct emotions with distinct functions. They are similar in that they are both negative feelings that are related to a perceived shortcoming. However, guilt is the feeling that a moral shortcoming in one's actions has caused harm to another, while shame is a sense of a shortcoming in the individual's character. In other words, guilt is feeling that had you acted differently, the results of your actions would be better, while shame is feeling that you yourself are not good enough. These feelings can either help or hurt you, and this podcast will explain why. It will also tell you why you may be experiencing these negative emotions in the first place, and how to deal with them so that they do not cause you to feel chronically stressed. Let's go back to what I said earlier. I said that everyone listening has experienced these feelings of shame and guilt. You may have wondered, why does everyone experience this if it is such a negative experience? Well, the reason for this is the same reason we experience any negative feeling, whether it be pain, coldness, hunger, or boredom. It keeps us alive. Well, not necessarily. It makes us reproduce more and therefore is an evolutionary benefit, but usually staying alive benefits evolution as well. Guilt, ideally, keeps us alive by acting as a social regulator to balance individual urges or wants with the wants and needs of others. Imagine, for example, a tribe of monkeys who have just found a big old banana tree full of bananas. The monkey leader could probably get away with grabbing a couple more bananas than the others, but what would happen if it took all the bananas? The rest of the tribe would probably not look too kindly on the boss monkey. Maybe the monkeys would turn on him and kill him, Or, at the very least, the monkeys of the opposite sex would not look at the selfish, hollow shell of the boss monkey in the same light. Either way, the boss monkey's chances of passing on their genes would be hurt if they only followed their drive for unlimited bananas without thinking of their comrades. Shame is a bit trickier in that there is still dispute on the evolutionary benefits of it, or whether there are benefits to it at all. It has been proposed that shame is a motivator to do better, in that if one is not happy with who they are, they will strive to do better and therefore have more reproductive success. However, there is no consensus in this, and since it is not definite that a negative self-perspective drives personal growth, it is hard to come to a conclusive verdict. 
Regardless, it is important to note that each of these emotions can have negative effects on the individual experiencing them. That is what a large part of this podcast will be concerned with. What happens when guilt and shame become more detrimental than beneficial? Imagine this. You come home from a long day and are excited for your after work snack. You have a ritual. After work means green tea and Cheetos. You open up your cupboard. No Cheetos. You check your roommate's cupboard. You see the crinkly orange bag full of the crunchy, alleged cheese snacks that signal to you that the workday is done. You open them and take a few. You wake up from an accidental nap. You feel extremely full of suspicious cheese snacks, but also full of guilt as a once full bag of Cheetos now lies beside you, completely empty. You feel bad, and you probably should. Maybe Cheetos are also a part of your roommate's rituals. And you should never mess with the things that get people through their day. This guilt drives you to snap out of your Cheetos hangover, run to the store, buy the largest bag of Cheetos you can find, and replace the one you took, along with a note that says sorry. The guilt you have experienced has succeeded in restoring the social order. You still have appeased your instinctual urge for the cheese, but you have balanced that urge with the wants and needs of others. However, what if you felt guilt and shame, but it didn't benefit anyone? You feel so guilty you don't tell anyone that you stole Cheetos. It is your secret. Or maybe you feel so guilty you go to your way to repay your roommate and empty your wallet to fill their cupboards. Or maybe you feel shame in passing out on the couch after eating copious amounts of God knows what. So you vow not to eat for the next 24 hours. These are all instances where the result of guilt and shame benefit no one, but only do harm. This manifestation of guilt and shame can cause negative, chronic stress, cause damage to relationships, hurt your mood, and maybe even increase symptoms of a mental disorder. As said earlier, Guilt can be a useful motivator and emotional regulator. Also, although it is not certain, it is possible that shame can act as a motivator for self-improvement. However, like most tools, they can either help or do harm. Just as a kitchen knife can chop up some tomatoes for a nice toasty sandwich, or it could impale your husband. Because of this nature of guilt possibly being either beneficial or harmful, Researchers have recently argued that guilt ought to be separated into adaptive and prosocial guilt, prosocial meaning it promotes healthy social behaviors, and maladaptive neurotic guilt. You can think of adaptive guilt as a motivator to do the right thing in the future, whereas maladaptive or neurotic guilt causes someone to constantly worry or feel guilty about things they have done in the past. This maladaptive guilt can be extremely damaging to the individual experiencing it. Shame can be a factor in the expression and severity of symptoms of anorexia, bulimia, and anxiety disorders. And guilt is a big part of disorders such as post-traumatic stress disorder and depressive disorders. Also, guilt has been shown to have the greatest effect on disorders that involve ruminating, that is, constantly worrying. Guilt has been long known to be a stressor, as can be seen in studies that have shown it can significantly increase heart rate and blood pressure. For some people, such as those who suffer from PTSD, these physical responses can be paired with hallucinations, distressing flashbacks, delusions, insomnia, anger, and panic attacks. Now, you may think that PTSD and these symptoms are caused by trauma, not guilt. While it is true that trauma, which can either be experienced first or secondhand, is necessary for the onset and diagnosis of PTSD, 
The trauma in itself does not cause PTSD. Not everyone experiences and handles trauma the same way. And even if two people experience the exact same trauma, one may come out with PTSD while the other may be largely unaffected. This does not mean that one is stronger or weaker. It just means that different people perceive things differently. For example, my father is really not scared of anything and can take pretty much anything you throw at him. However, if you bring him to a high enough place that may not bother most, he will not be so relaxed. This is because it is not just the traumatic event that is a factor. It is also the organism or individual that perceives the stressor. It is the same reason why phobias of what most people would not find scary do exist. For some reason, the individual suffering from that phobia perceives it to be a threat. This is a common theme in psychology, as most psychological abnormalities are not simply caused by environment or biology, it is usually a complex interplay of the two. This concept has been illustrated and explained by the diathesis stress model, which argues that disorders are caused by an interaction between environment and biology. Diathesis stems from the Greek word for disposition and is exactly that, a predisposition that makes one more vulnerable to disorder. The model theorizes that whenever a person's life stress activates their diathesis and that combination passes a certain threshold, the person will develop a disorder. Back to PTSD, you can see how its development is not only due to trauma. Now, think about how that trauma can be subjectively perceived or appraised by an individual. Maybe the individual feels guilty about their role in it. Maybe they feel accountable. Maybe they felt some control or a lack of it. Maybe they have regrets. This should illustrate that the development of PTSD involves the person thinking about what part they had to play in the trauma. In other words, guilt is a factor in the severity of PTSD. This recently caught the interest of some American researchers who scoured databases for research articles to see what PTSD sufferers had in common. They found there to be three elements that were most common in relation to guilt from PTSD trauma. Responsibility, a perceived wrongdoing, and a lack of justification. Further supporting guilt's role in the severity of PTSD, it was recently found that guilt can be reduced through common PTSD treatments, such as through cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure treatment. Also, guilt and shame can be harmful even when the person involved is not suffering from a clinical ailment or disorder. These emotions, when maladaptive, can be seen all over the place in our society. Think of body shaming, or students not feeling they are meeting expectations put on them, or women not feeling they are not good enough because they are not acting like helper robots, or the shame when you turn on the TV and see people who you feel are somehow better than you. Think of the survivor's guilt of someone who has escaped their dangerous past, or the guilt in friends of family when they, in hindsight, did not see warning signs. Our modern world forces ideals onto us, and more often than not, they're impossible to achieve. When you turn on the screen, you do not see the average person. You see the richest, the most extroverted, the most beautiful, and the most successful. And you do not see them at their worst. You see them how they want to be seen. This has disastrous effects. It does not take a psychologist to tell you why eating disorders are at an all-time high. In Fiji, before there was television, the eating disorders that are so prevalent in the Western world were virtually non-existent. However, 
As soon as British TV was introduced, 11.3% of adolescent girls on the island reported purging at least once in the last month when asked. Correlation does not necessitate causation, of course, but in this case, the implications are pretty clear-cut. Also, shame has been found to bring about behaviors which attempt to reduce the stress that shame causes. These behaviors are often harmful, such as drug use and alcoholism. So, now that we have discovered a problem, what can we do about it? Well, you can leave modern society and start a homestead, grow potatoes and livestock and never need to look at the shame-inducing media that once plagued your modern life. Giving up life as you know it is a bit too tall of an order for you. You can also practice the behavior of completing the stress response cycle. This lovely practice involves signaling to your body that the threat is gone. As earlier mentioned, guilt and shame are both chronic stressors. Your body and your sympathetic nervous system have no clue what is causing your heart rate to spike, your blood pressure to rise, and your concentration of cortisol, an important stress hormone, to remain elevated for so long. Your body especially does not understand when that stress comes from unnatural stressors such as microaggressions, random cat collars, or a bad grade. Therefore, in order to signal to your body that it's time to relax, you have to communicate to the body in a way that it has evolved to understand. This could be exercise, dancing, sex, creative expression, a good cry, affection, meditation, deep breathing, anything that our ancestors have done for millennia to signal that there is no threat. For guilt and shame in particular, Sharing with others is also a key way to alleviate them. If you feel bad for something you have done or if you feel like a bad person, holding the guilt and shame inside can make you feel worse and worse. Shame and guilt can be very socially isolating. If we feel bad about ourselves, we often have the urge to hide. By sharing with others, you can relieve yourself of the burden of shame and be a bit less isolated and alone. Guilt and shame are things we all deal with. They can be useful tools for self-regulating our needs and the needs of others and may act as motivators for self-improvement. However, these tools have the potential to be harmful to anyone, whether they suffer from something pathological or not. Our society puts a lot of pressure and stress on us as the media bombards us with information that promotes shame while the patriarchy and faulty beliefs make many feel guilty about their actions. People with guilt or shame-related disorders may find help in clinical treatment, and to fight against our own individual stress, we can complete the stress response cycle. So, before we finish this podcast, I'd like you to think about something or someone that makes you feel shame or guilt for no apparent good reason. Think about how often you worried about it, whether the worry was at all rational, and why you still may be worrying about it. Also, I'd like you to really expand your mind and think about a time you wrongly made someone else feel these emotions. People who are stressed out or hurt may turn on someone else who is experiencing the same thing. It is a good practice to be mindful of where your emotions are coming from and who they are affecting. Here are a couple main takeaways that I will repeat as I feel they are important for everyone to know about guilt and shame so that they can know why these negative emotions exist and how to know when they are not beneficial. Guilt is a product of evolution and can act as a healthy social regulator. It can also be unhealthy and maladaptive. It can even increase the severity of symptoms of mental disorders. 
Shame is largely caused by standards that society has imposed on us. And if guilt and shame are not dealt with, harmful results can happen due to chronic stress. For further reading, the AADA, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, has great information on disorders related to guilt and stress, such as PTSD, depression, and anxiety disorders. Also, to learn more about the stress response cycle, consider reading Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, which has had much influence on this podcast. Also, consider listening to the rest of the podcast in this series to learn about topics such as coping and resilience, burnout, rest, the benefits of acute stress, and much more. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to complete the stress cycle. This is Fine, a podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience, was created by students at Mount Allison University. The students created each episode as part of a fourth-year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Dawn Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick, or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at Pale Blue Dot Studios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting. <laughs>